The role of the modern-day pastor and ministry leader is changing. More and more pastors around the world today are ministry leaders who are doing multiple jobs and wearing multiple hats. They are bivocational or co-vocational leaders. They may be pastors looking for creative ways to use their church or staff to create income and revenue for sustainability. They may be ministry leaders who are looking for ways to launch for-profit initiatives or integrate innovation into their organization. They may be those who want to do missions globally and find creative ways to create sustainability. Or they may be marketplace leaders who are called to stay in the marketplace, but want to be part-time pastors, lay pastors, start ministries or nonprofits. This is the age of the new ministry leader. They wear different hats and do different things. They are technologically savvy and global. They are who God is using to make an impact in cities and communities around the world. This is the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast, and these are their stories. Well, welcome everyone. Johanna, it's great to have you back again. So it's good to talk with you. Welcome to back to your program, Johanna. Thanks, Tommy. Good to talk to you too. <laughs> well, today I am. We we're talking with Ryan Lee. So, Johanna, I've known Ryan and his wife Ami since our days back in Chicago when I had my first experience working in a Korean American church. All my life, I grew up in a Chinese American church, and so now I'm working in a Korean American church and understanding the whole world of how Korean culture, how that's integrated in church life. And there I got to know Ryan and Ami. So, and now they're in uh, Los Angeles. So welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, actually, you know what? Before we actually even do anything, Ryan, how would you describe what it means to operate in a Korean church? For someone like Johanna, who's never been or operating that, what, what does it mean to work in a Korean church? Uh, well, it certainly depends on what part of the country you're in, even. Um, I've lived in Houston, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, and now L.A., and the Korean-American church, um, there's a lot of similarities between those cities, but there's some unique aspects of each uh, city as well. The culture is very different uh, in each city, even for Korean-Americans. Um, but certainly, you know, it's just really bringing together two worlds. Um, a lot of us are second generation uh, children of immigrants. So we have that background. We have that shared experience, um, bringing that into now where we're living, you know, trying to assimilate uh, being in a largely Western world surrounded by non-Koreans uh, for the most part. And sometimes church is the only place you get together with people who look like you and are from the same background. So just bringing all that together. But, you know, the, the worship experience is interesting because we're bringing together aspects uh, from the Western church as well as aspects from the Eastern church as well. And we're kind of creating a whole new culture. Yeah. And Ryan, wouldn't you say the role of a pastor in the Korean church, it's held in very, very high regard, right? It is. Um, you know, with a lot of uh, Eastern uh, cultural, you know, background, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on age and respecting those with titles uh, and those with experience. So that definitely uh, comes into the Korean church as well. And Johanna, the reason why I asked Ryan about that is growing up in a Chinese church, it is completely separate. The pastor is not always held in a high leadership position. It's the elders. And so when you hire a pastor, he has no decision-making abilities in many Chinese churches. So they have to report to the elder. And so if they want to make a decision of what God has called them to do, they submit it to the elder. If they say, no, 
then you're stuck doing what they want you to do. It's a different dynamic in the Korean church. Yeah. Hey, now pivoting a little bit for you as your journey, MDiv, MBA, all that stuff. When you were going through all of this stuff, was your full intention to go into uh, full-time ministry? Talk a little about your work journey. Yeah. Um, right after college, um, was, was working as a stockbroker for a number of years. Um, at the time, my wife, who we, I wasn't engaged to just yet, uh, was attending uh, Trinity um, uh, towards her uh, Master of Divinity. And, um, you know, I was just working and um, just all the things that she was sharing about the things that she was encountering in seminary. Um, and I was just blown away by how amazing the word of God is, how deep it is, uh, how powerful it is. And I was just challenged and blessed uh, every time I would hear about something that she was learning uh, during her time in seminary. Uh, I had always had some uh, vague idea that I would go to seminary at some point. I wanted to serve the church. But, you know, long after and I went through my career, maybe towards the end of my life, I would maybe go and get some training. Um, but I, I felt like at that time, God was prompting me and saying, you know, Ryan, instead of at the end of your life, um, instead of giving me leftovers, uh, would you trust me? Could you give me the best, best of your life, best of your years, the best of your energy and your youth and trust me in this journey? Um, lay down your career, uh, set it aside for now and follow me into ministry. Um, so you know, with a lot of prayer and, and conversation and uh, confirmation from my faith community, I took that step to uh, quit my job and go into seminary uh, in my mid-20s. And so then after, Ryan, after that, did you work in the church full-time for a period of time or did you go back to work after seminary? Um, so during seminary, which was about four years or so for me, uh, I was working uh, in the church in a number of different roles. Uh, started off as a youth pastor for a Korean immigrant church, uh, was there for a number of years, uh, and then came to the church where Tommy and I, uh, you, you, know, you and I uh, served together there at Lakeview, uh, multi-ethnic, uh, predominantly Asian American church. Um, I served there as a college pastor, and I was active in the worship ministry there. Uh, so this was all during seminary. Uh, after seminary, I still stayed, uh, continued to serve in the church uh, as well for about a year and a half. Um, prior to uh, moving to California. So this is all during our Chicago years. Got it. Gotcha. So Ryan, I know that now you're doing financial consulting for Deloitte. I would love for you to talk a little bit about what impact, if any, having your MDiv and your career in churches plays into the role that you have now um, at Deloitte. Sure. Um, even how I got to my current role was kind of a journey. Um, we moved to California a little over 10 years ago from Chicago. Um, so the last thing I did was serve at Lakeview Church um, in their college ministry. Then my wife and I decided to uh, move out to California to both attend further schooling. Um, so that's where Ami uh, started her PhD at Fuller. And I went into a, a Master of Business Administration program at Pepperdine. Uh, to get further schooling there. And the goal was uh, eventually we'd get the training and prepare ourselves to go overseas into the majority world to serve uh, under-resourced churches uh, there as well. And so this was our five-year plan once uh, we moved to California, uh, but certainly things have changed. We're still in California 10 years later. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, God opened a different set of doors and uh, Ami got a job as a professor at Fuller, a professor of preaching 
And so that kept us here for uh, several more years. And, you know, every season we uh, just continue to, to seek God's direction and his promptings. And for now, we're, we're staying here and being faithful to where God has placed us. Uh, so during that time, I ended up working at Deloitte. So uh, after five years of ministry, went back into the workforce, which was uh, definitely an interesting transition. Um, so I've been at Deloitte now for about 10 years in different roles. Uh, started off in the consulting business, spent a little bit of time in tax. And uh, the longest stretch was uh, in a role in our global finance uh, organization doing uh, finance innovation. Um, and then recently, actually during this COVID season, I switched roles into a new uh, team that was just formed. It's called our Investment Center of Excellence, uh, which sounds very fancy, but a center of excellence is really just, um, it's, a, it's a task force. It's a team that oversees the best practices and the leadership strategy uh, for how our firm is going to handle our investments, our internal investments, um, such as uh, clients and markets, uh, technology, platforms, infrastructure, those kinds of things. And so that's where I currently sit. Um, so that's the uh, technical background. Day to day, I would say that um, my, my time in seminary, um, my ministry experience, it, it all absolutely plays a part. Um, you know, it really gives me a new lens on, on how I see my colleagues, how I see my work, um, just really reshuffles my, my priorities and my motivations for why I go to work, how I work, um, how I perform, um, how I treat the people I work with and even, even deal with the leaders, like senior leaders that, that I interact with as well. Um, so all of that is a lens. It's a framework. It really dramatically changed um, instead of just working to climb my, you know, career path and to make money, get the title. And those are all great things. And I hope to earn those as I work hard and, you know, get my, my, my just pay and my just recognition. Um, but it really changes the motivation uh, for why I do it and how I do it. Um, and certainly um, just the kinds of conversations that I have uh, will, will take a new spin. Uh, the things that I talk about, um, you know, the way that I interact with my colleagues, it really changes a lot. I love that. I mean, you know, it's, I, I don't have uh, a degree in ministry, but I think just like you do, but I think, you know, I, I spent 11 years working in the pharmaceutical industry and the last two I spent at Amgen working uh, as a pharmaceutical rep and uh, biotechnological rep, technology rep, whatever. And, um, and I can remember, you know, you always think about that. Like, how do I, bring my faith into work or do I need to bring my faith into work and (laughs) does it really matter and this and that. But, um, you know, when I left, I left, uh, Amgen to go to international justice mission. And, um, when I sent out my, you know, resignation email and sort of let everybody know what I was doing, I was shocked at how many responses I got back of like, wow, I can totally see you doing that. I'm, we're so excited Mm -hmm. that this prepared you for that. And I, you know, I just, I had no idea that, that I was bringing that to work every day, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. well, that, that my colleagues were not surprised <laughs> at all yeah. where I would end up, you know, and it wasn't anything overt that I did or said, obviously, but, um, but I, I, I think that's really cool. And it sounds like you're kind of on the same track at Deloitte. Yeah, you know, like you can really get lost as a Christian. You know, we're a large firm, um, you know, 60,000 plus employees in the U.S. alone. And sometimes you feel like you're the only, you must be the only Christian 
that you know, because um, you know, just look at everyone sometimes how they talk and how they act. But um, surprisingly, I, I was really blown away that there are a lot of good people, uh, a lot of pe- people of the faith, and you know, it just takes a little bit of courage to put yourself out there. And then you'd be surprised how many people respond like, oh, they're a Christian though. They go to church like, oh, we can have this conversation. And you're really just, you know, it, it inspires courage in one another. It, you know, helps me to find courage in my work, knowing that there's, you know, oh, I didn't know my boss was a Christian, you know, oh, I didn't know this colleague, you know, praise and just the kinds of things that you would draw out of one another. It, it really is amazing. And it really does energize you uh, for work. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, let me ask you, what have you learned about yourself in this journey? Right. Uh, you mentioned a lot of times is that you were wanting to go into ministry and all the other stuff is as you look upon your journey from college ministry to finance to MBA, what have you learned about your gifting passions, how God has designed you? Um, I, I, I think um, for the longest time, I saw myself as compartmentalized that, you know, my skills and my experience were in finance and business, uh, but my heart is for ministry. And it was sometimes hard to bring those two worlds together because when I'm in a spreadsheet or in a PowerPoint all day for work, you know, how is my faith coming alive? You know, yeah. I don't always have time to have those conversations when I'm presenting to a senior leader. Um, so really just trying to find ways to make an impact, um, you know, like uh, just kind of just seeing the things that are available, um, you know, like there were, there was a, an opportunity to join um, a new organization's talent council uh, at work. Um, so I, I could be one of the founding members of, uh, this talent council for a new global finance organization and just being there to make an impact representing, um, you know, people of faith, representing people of color and being that voice that otherwise would might not have been there, helping shape the culture and the, the direction of, you know, this secular organization, but you're an active part in that. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't always have to be like a special case like that, you know, just even day to day, you know, how, how I face the day, um, I could, you know, be dreading like, oh, I have 57 emails the moment I wake up because all my colleagues on the East Coast are already hard at work. And now I have a lot of catching up to do and just being really down about that and uh, discouraged or, you know, saying like, this is my opportunity to, to work hard, be productive, uh, glorify God in my work and show people that, you know, I'm not going to get down by this, that I'm not going to be discouraged, that, you know, Ryan, he, he's always you know, energetic, cheerful, you know, yeah. joyful and bringing those kinds of qualities that people don't always see when, when you're busy and stressed out at work all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, I'm not sure about you. Like during your years, I did eight years of college ministry as a volunteer. I found that in some sense was my area where God gave me opportunity to be like David in the shepherd field. I worked out my kinks with these college students. I was just growing as a leader. I made so many mistakes, but I look back and said, wow, I learned how to develop a team. I learned how to form teams. I learned how to accomplish things. And I worked out all the kinks that help me in right now. Uh, did, did you find that your passive ministry helped you design and do a lot of those things? Oh, absolutely. I, I've made all the mistakes in the book as well. And, um, you know, when I'm in my 20s, I don't, I don't know anything. You know, but I'm thrown into a role now where I have to be a leader. People, people are counting on me. I have to manage a budget. I have to train and oversee, you know, volunteers and staff and a bunch of impressionable, you know, high school and college students and young adults that are just looking to you and they come to you with questions that you have no idea how to answer in their lives. 
Um, so really, you're, it's trial by fire every single week. Um, and you learn a lot about yourself. And you also realize so many things that you don't know because you're you could be arrogant. You know, I'm in seminary. I'm learning these things. I have, you know, a lot of answers at my fingertips, but I really didn't, you know, half yeah. the time. And just knowing that um, being humbled by it, knowing, you know, look, seeking out mentors and people who do have the answers and the experience really uh, helped shape me. Got it. That's awesome. Um, talking about, you know, that integration of church and faith, if you had a chance to talk with pastors, um, either at your old church or your pastors at your church now, or just pastors in general, what advice would you give them about pastoring people like you in the marketplace? I think um, one of the things that people are looking for is something to give them courage at work. Um, I was part of a small uh, prayer group of people on an old team at, at Deloitte in my early years. And uh, I have to, after identifying a handful of people that I thought would be great to join, you know, we could come together, you know, once a month and pray for one another, pray for a company. Um, just having those conversations and some people were really enthusiastic. Um, others, you know, were a little hesitant and some just said flat out, you know, I don't have the courage to join a prayer group like this at work. Um, you know, so maybe another time, but thanks for asking. And I find that, you know, everyone wants some way to have an outlet to share their faith. Everyone wants, has that desire, but it's, it's hard to take that next step to find that courage. And I think just finding a group of people that you can stand with and do that, or just, just finding a way to share, you know, cause you're not supposed to, um, evangelize at the workplace when you're having a, a meeting, but, um, you can certainly talk about, you know, Hey, what'd you do over the weekend? You know, i you know, did this with my church. And that certainly prompts uh, some conversation. And so I think uh, pastoring on how to, to, to give courage on just, you know, those kinds of things I think would, would definitely be a, a, a good work, uh, place to start. Ryan and Johanna, I'm not sure what you guys think is what I struggle with. And what I would say to pastors, Ryan, I love your thoughts on it, is the whole idea of balance and volunteering. A lot of times is I find myself, I'm on the road, I'm traveling. I've now been gone for four days. I get home on Thursday night, Friday night. My wife is mad because I haven't been home and the girls are frustrated and all the other stuff. And now I got to do some stuff because I'm back on the road on Sunday night, Monday morning. But then the church wants me there on the Saturday morning for a committee meeting. On Sunday, I got to do a lunch, but I got to do a small group training and all that stuff. And when I say, no, I can't do that. The pastor doesn't understand. And I think in some cases, I've even heard the pastor say, you, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose the world or are you going to choose Christ? <laughs> yeah, I can't do it because I, I got to deal with all of the stuff. But Johanna, the Asian church sometimes, and I would probably say is they just always don't understand. It. It's always about work, work, work and volunteering within the life of the church. Ryan, do you feel that tension at times or at least even something that you've learned through all that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of, shared experiences that I've, you know, you know, myself and people I've known who've gone through, um, whether it's seminary ministry, it's just, you know, you're wearing a lot of hats, um, you know, certainly. And I feel like, unfortunately, family is often, you know, one of the areas to suffer um, because other, you know, holier priorities, for example, uh, take precedence sometimes where you feel guilt tripped or pressured. Um, and then there's the financial aspect. How do you support your family? You know, and so, you know, when I was in seminary, I was working that, you know, classic, you know, three part-time jobs at church. And then I was working at a bank and I was helping tutoring uh, just to make ends meet. Uh, another time, another season, um, Ami and I were both working on a combined half-time salary for one church. 
Um, so we were both working probably way more than halftime hours, but we were sharing one halftime salary because that's yeah. all the church could, could do at that time. Um, and so just managing those constraints, but, you know, you, you really find ways to be creative and, you know, it, it's exhausting, but, uh, you know, you find ways to energize one another, you know, even if you're not both in ministry, like you and your significant other, or if you don't have a significant other, um, but just finding that um, faith community to come alongside of you. And there were so many times when both of us were overwhelmed, but we had someone, you know, in our faith community, uh, friends, family, people in our church come alongside of us and encourage us in ways that we just didn't expect. So, you know, you'll, you'll run out of strength a lot. On, you know, I found that, but um, certainly there's strength to tap into from people around you. Now, Ryan, let me pack into, uh, pick your consulting hat a little bit. If you were to redesign seminary programs now and you went to extremely, extremely reputable seminary, what classes would you add, knowing that you got your MBA, knowing that now you've worked in the business world, you now have some life experience. If you were asked to redesign seminary and to add in marketplace leaders as teachers or even internships, what would you add? What would you take out? I think some of the biggest challenges, you know, a lot of people who are in ministry, um, a lot of them are gifted. You know, many who preach are gifted, you know, preachers or speakers, um, you know, a lot of spiritual giftings as well. I think the areas where um, there are some uh, difficulties are in, you know, personnel management, uh, managing a staff and, you know, using them in, in the right places and uh, those kinds of things, training them, uh, equipping and raising leaders. And so certainly leadership, um, you know, a lot of leadership and staffing kind of things as well as finances, you know, a lot of, uh, pastors or people in ministry, it's their first time dealing with a budget. Certainly it was for me and, uh, you don't know where to start. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're working with a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, donated or, or, or given, you know, offered money from offerings and tithes and donations, and you want to be a good steward of that, but there are a lot of needs. And so you want to be faithful to that, but you just don't have the skills to handle, or discern that. So I think certainly, you know, having, you know, an elder board, other staff members who are gifted helps, but I think having some of those basic skill sets would, would be beneficial uh, when you're starting out. So I would add those kinds of classes. Got it. John. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. You know, it just, it seems like being balanced, you know, what I'm hearing from a lot of this conversation is that um, you know, there's your uh, masters of divinity and all of that is it, it brings another level of balance into your business into the business world and then um, the business world can bring some some much needed balance into the faith world which is why that integration of faith and work is so incredibly important um how why why do you think that 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 integration of faith and work is important. You know, we don't talk about it a lot at, at work or at church. I I don't think really until I started Together LA have I heard <laughs> so much discussion around this integration of faith and work. Um, does that play into your church at all? Or, or what, you know, what are your thoughts around that? Um, well, the church we're currently attending, uh, we started attending uh, at the beginning of the year, right before COVID. So, um, you know, I don't have enough experience overall to speak to that this year. Um, but in past experiences, certainly, I think a lot of Christians who are not in ministry, you know, just, you know, you're, you're at home, you're at work, you're in school, um, you know, everything gets compartmentalized as we often do. Right. So, you know, Sunday oh. is church day. 
and you know you set aside you know your time for quiet time but that's separate from everything else that you do which is work which is taking care of your family you know taking care of yourself um so it really is just trying to integrate all that and i i love the conversations that we're having as part of together la and having uh people who can coach on that who have experience with that because it really is so hard to integrate any re- any really two aspects of one's life you know i'm I'm working, but how do I stay well? We have a lot of conversations on wellness and well-being at work, but you're either working or you're being well, which is basically taking time off work. But how do you do? How do you stay well while working instead of just taking vacation times all the time? Um, how do you manage your spiritual health and your, you know, your quote-unquote secular health? You know, just the 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 non-church, non-faith related things that you do. How do you manage your, you know, relational and social, you know, you know aspects of life? So I think. Uh, having these conversations uh, certainly will, will be beneficial. Um, and I think uh, I certainly have a lot to learn as well. Yeah. Hey, Johanna and also Ryan, I have, oh, sorry about that. I know you have a follow-up, Johanna, but one of the things that I find is that with churches, they'll say, okay, we're going to talk about faith and work. They'll do a sermon series, a three-part sermon series on faith and work. But the other times they're going to sit there and say, well, I want you to use your skills to serve the church. I want you to write a chapter. I want you to give to these different campaigns. And then from that point on, many pastors really believe that your primary workplace in the workplace is to develop those skills. And then from that point, make a living to support the church. I've talked with so many pastors who really believe that versus if you're an architect, how did uh, design you with the skills to be an architect? How do you use that to really be able to make a difference in your city, design buildings that reflect God's glory, that serves mm-hmm. the community well, and but you have certain skills that you use it to apply into the life of the church because that is what it means to be generous with your life. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people don't understand that very much. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think everyone thinks about it from you know, the, the angle that, that, that you're in your perspective. So certainly, you know, if you're in church ministry, um, your interest is to get your congregation to plug in and, and offer those gifts to the church where, as they certainly should be used. Um, but I think you're right, Tommy, that can become a one-sided conversation oftentimes. And so um, certainly there's a lot of work to be done where I think that that aspect of it still should be encouraged. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of gifts that are not being tapped into in the church. And we resort to hiring people to do things that great volunteers in our church can certainly uh, more than capably handle. But on the flip side, how can the church empower its members uh, to be more active and more uh, impactful in their communities and their workplaces and their families? And so I think that conversation has to continue both, you know, both ways. Yeah. Sorry about that, Johanna. Go ahead. No, I mean, I was just going to say it's interesting, you know, because I I started my career working in secular. Um, so I had my secular life and then I had my church. But for the last several years, I've worked for Christian organizations. And it's also interesting, too, where, you know, there's almost a blurring of lines. So it's it's like there's no compartment mentalization, I guess. And um, when you're, you're serving in a place of serving all the time, and then you go to church and they want you to serve more, you know, I'm I, sometimes I'm almost like, I, I'm, I can't, I actually, I need to be served. <laughs> like I've been mm-hmm. yeah. pouring out and pouring out and I need a place where I can just be poured into. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, an, that's, you know, another I think interesting twist on the whole conversation of faith and work, because, 
yes, this is, I just happen to be in a job and, and Ami might feel this way as well. Mm -hmm. um, working at Fuller where you are in a job and this is, you know, your primary goal is, is to pour out and serve and um, all of that. And then you go to church and they want the same thing from you. And <laughs> like, I don't know if she ever gets exhausted. Or oh yeah. She, you know, she teaches <laughs> preaching. So she's listening to some weeks, you know, 28 sermons or, yeah. or something plus or minus, and then Sunday's another sermon, you know? And so it's, it, yeah. it's certainly, it's a lot uh, to, to take in all at mm -hmm. once. And you know, it can be exhausting at times when you're in that world all day long and every day. <laughs> I'll have to get Ami on here too next and um, and talk to her about how do you go to church on Sunday and hear another sermon? <laughs> well, you know, Johanna, this is actually a good conversation because like even as we're recording for Together LA, we're doing the listening tour. Our goal, Ryan, is to listen, to hear what people are dealing with, what they're struggling with, and how we can really be able to serve the people in LA better as well, too. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, speaking of that, since Johanna was the one who mentioned Ami, Ryan, there are people who are listening to this, and I'm not even getting into a show women preach, what the role of women, okay, we're not going to talk into it. But what I want to talk with, Ryan, talk and brag about your wife a little bit. I know her. I love her dearly. <laughs> She is a great teacher. She is a great preacher. She is a great speaker. Talk to me about your wife. Tell Johanna and tell the people who are listening. Tell us about, a little bit about your wife. Yes, um, she's all those things. Um, I agree. Um, you know, Ami and I met, um, I think, over two decades ago in college. And um, I knew she was the one, you know, just there was no one quite like her that I have experienced. Um, she was beautiful, smart, um, faithful. And so um, that turned into, um, you know, 15 year marriage. We got engaged and married while attending seminary. So she was actually a few years, my senior in seminary, um, but we had submitted our midterms, flew over to Korea, got married, came back, you know, three days later, and went right back to church. So, um, you know, that's kind of uh, the experience. And, you know, just, I, I just, oh, absolutely, Tommy, you said it, you know, she's a great preacher, great teacher. Um, amazing friend and someone that I'm just so happy to be stuck with in, in a pandemic. You know, I, I know that it, it can be hard seeing the same person, you know, 24 seven, but um, I actually do enjoy it. And I just can't imagine a better person to be stuck at home with um, and just kind of even eavesdropping on some of the work that she does. Um, it really is inspiring. Yeah. Johanna, if you ever, I'm not sure if you ever had a chance to meet her when you meet her and my first impression with her, she's a very quiet individual. Heard. Then from that point on, you hear a speaker say, wow, that's a different type of person right there. And she's so tiny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear her preach uh, one of these days, hopefully soon. Hey, Ryan, as we're wrapping up, Azusa. How mm -hmm. long have you lived in Azusa? We've been here now a little over five years. Tell us about the city. I mean, like, yeah. tell us what are some of the things that you like about Azusa? What are the things that you've noticed about how, what God is doing in Azusa? Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Los Angeles, and you probably heard this on other uh, listening podcasts uh, on this listening tour, but LA is very diverse, very sprawled out, and every neighborhood has its own flavor. Um, and Azusa is no different. Uh, we're located um, in maybe about an hour's drive east of Los Angeles. Uh, so we're at the base of the San Gabriel Mountain foothills in what's called the San Gabriel Valley. And Azusa is a city of about 50,000 people. 
uh, majority Hispanic origin, uh, but there's a growing Asian population that has started moving in with a lot of the housing development sprawl that's moving outside of the city, moving eastward uh, into the Inland Empire of California. Uh, so it's definitely a very diverse city, but it's a uh, its roots are that um, you know it's in the bottom 20% income-wise in LA County. Uh, so uh, the median income is pretty low. Crime rate is in the top 15% of violent crime. So there's a lot of gang activity. There's murders and shootings five minutes away from where we live frequently. Um, so it's a city in transition, um, but uh, certainly it's a very active and growing city as well. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Um, one last question and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll call it we'll call it quits, but um, you know, we've, we've been asking this of, of pretty much everyone that we've interviewed because 2020 has been quite the year. <laughs> what are you most hopeful for moving into the end of the year and into a new year? Hopeful. Um, well, you know, the changing of the seasons is most welcome uh, at a very uh, shallow level. Um, it's been a brutal year in terms of, you know, the, the brush fires and 115 degree record setting heat. Right. Um, so it's been a long summer and, you know, you're stuck at home and now there's more things to keep you stuck at home. So you can't even go out to take a walk. So uh, cooler weather, some changing uh, seasons, pumpkin spice, lattes. Uh, <laughs> those are the small things that keep you going, you know, at least short term. But um, yeah, really just uh, looking, I think like everyone feels the same, just being back to being able to connect with people again in a meaningful way. Um, you know, Ami's family, all, all of my in-laws are in Korea. We've had to cancel a trip to go see them this summer. They had to cancel a trip to come and see us earlier uh, in the year. Um, you know, I was, uh, Ami and I were supposed to go with Tommy to Southeast Asia for another ministry. Uh, that trip had to be canceled right at the beginning of COVID. We almost um, went. We all, yeah, we, we were so close to going and it just, we, we had to cancel out of caution. And thankfully we did because things just took a, you know, turn for the worse at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and just knowing that we're, we might, we might not even be halfway through this thing. So right. um, just really trying to stay faithful each day, each week, because um, it's it's rough and just knowing that there might not be an end in sight for the time being. Um, but just hopeful that God is still doing amazing things. People are innovating, the church is getting creative, people are finding ways to take care of one another. And I think this is prime opportunity for the church to shine and make its mark, uh, bring hope and uh, care and compassion to a world that's just completely tapped out. And I think um, just seeing that in action really, uh, you know, gives you the strength to carry on one more day, one more week. Yeah. Ryan, thank you very much. Johanna, I really want, I was looking forward to talking with him just because of our friendship all these years, but more so he is what you call this new type of ministry leader that's evolving. A lot of times you'll have more and more of these guys who are pastors who operate in the business world from the business world. They are pastors, all of that stuff. They operate in both worlds. And right. so Ryan is the definition of what this looks like in this modern century. So Ryan, thank you so much for making time. And please say hi to Ami for us. Thanks for having me, Joanna and Tommy. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Johanna, we'll talk soon. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Grow Center's Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Grow Center channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with the Grow Center on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Center Network 
and our website at www.thegrowcenter.com. See you next time.